0: Welcome, welcome. This is the real football podcast i'm your host lenny a k a Dick and today we're going to be discussing a little bit of English football in general comp competitions. a big, big upset took place a little bit ago, a few minutes before I started recording this and it's been quite an interesting time. The January transfer window is open we're seeing a few big moves some eyebrow raising moves as well uh i'm going to be discussing the top four the top six it's no longer the top four anymore (laughs) kind of showing my age there but discussing a, a little bit of what's happening with the top six right now just going in and let's get into it and so first things first if there is ever a chaotic club a club that thrives on chaos A little bit of Peter Baelish philosophy going here is Chelsea. Chelsea Football Club is an absolute mess right now, ladies and gentlemen. They are, they've won one game in eight, I believe. They have lost five in the last seven. They got toyed with against Man City in the FA Cup. They got absolutely destroyed 4-0. They have something like eight, nine, ten players, an entire squad an entire starting 11 of players who are injured right now. It's just an absolute mess over there. I don't know what Todd Bowley is doing. I know he stepped down from his sporting director role. Can we, let's just take a step back here and think about how ridiculous it is that this guy, Todd Bowley and his consortium, they purchased the club from Roman Abramovich. They're probably like, hey, this is a massive come up. We have to spend a whole, a shit, a metric, fuck ton of money. It's stipulated within the purchase contract or something to that effect. I, I didn't read over it. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to check the details on that. But they've been spending like crazy. Spending like crazy. in in this uh in, Since they took over, literally this past transfer window, they spent something like 300 million, 200 million pounds, and they are way worse than they were last year. The entire team isn't functioning. Their defense is a mess. They've brought back in Kepa Ariza Belaga for Edward Mendy because Mendy kind of fell off since the Champions League final, that Champions League winning season back in 2021. And... I mean, the defense is trash. Their best player is a 38-year-old Thiago Silva. Now, granted, Tiago Silva has been a magnificent player, not only for them, but in general. I, I first heard about him back when he moved to Milan. This must have been in, like, 2009. And back then, he was a top-three center-back in the world. But now, clean over a decade later, if he's your best center-back in your team... You know, shit's not going well. Shit is not going well at all. Then, midfield is non existent. Jorginho's fallen off completely. Kante can't stay fit. Kovacic is by far their best midfielder right now, most consistent. He also can't stay fit a lot of the time. And then, up front, it's even worse. Obama Yang, who wasn't good enough for Arsenal, who didn't show the desire and fight as their captain. Last year, last season, Arteta got rid of him. It was the correct decision back then. He went to Basi, fucked around a little bit in a free-flowing Barca, loaned a team, scored a couple of goals. They got rid of him. He's moved to Chelsea. The man has an arsenal tattoo. <laughs> oh, Chelsea, my goodness gracious me. So the striker, the striker curse continues for them. The blue side of London is there's is, is just a shambles right now. Top to bottom, their entire team is just a mess. I don't know what happens with them. They probably languish in 8th, ninth, 10th. I mean, this is... This is is Chelsea. This is Chelsea through and through. A team who can win the Champions League one season, make two cup finals, top four the next season, might just end up in 8th or ninth this season. It's ridiculous. If they can... Sort of get a lot of players coming in playing well, uh, back from injury. I mean, then they have a very formidable team. They're one of those teams that I can never discount, but you can always take you you can never also never take them seriously, unless they have a true world class manager at the helm. We saw it with with Jose Mourinho. He did come back. He won the league. He's won three league titles with them. The same thing can be said about Antonio Conte. I highly, highly rate him. He is a mafia boss. Or oh, he at least looks like the scariest Sicilian motherfucker you would ever see. He look he wouldn't look out of place in a Sopranos uh, scene or two. And under him, they won the league. He won the FA Cup as well. And we've seen Carlo Ancelotti go there, do well. But question marks. And questions are being asked of Graham Potter right now. Now, I rate Graham Potter. I think he's a very, very good manager. He did amazing things at Brighton. If you bring a guy like him in and give him a five-year contract, you need to let him at least see two seasons. But right now, and considering that Abramovich was extremely trigger-happy when it came to managers, the Chelsea fans are essentially have been conditioned over the past 20 years to think that, okay, if a manager is doing shit for a couple months, then he's got to go. However, is that the best way for them to go forward? Potter needs time. Potter needs time. And he will need signings because even Obama Young, who I was, I was clowning on for a second there. He was a Thomas Tuchel signing. Tommy T, won the Champions League he got a bit of a raw deal but that's understandable it's understandable because he's one of those managers we've seen him everywhere where he goes it happened at Dortmund it happened at PSG it probably happened at Chelsea that he just rubs people up the wrong way especially when a new owner comes in We saw a couple of the rumors that uh, Todd Bowley was trying to play a a (laughs) 4-4-3. You're making Americans look bad when it comes to their football knowledge. It is what it is. But Tommy T is not the kind of guy to fuck around with when it comes to those sorts of things. So I can fully understand that Todd Bowley and the gang were probably like, you know what? Let's bring our own guy in. I think Graham Potter is a very good choice. I think he's one of those where you need to give him a, a project. It can't be it cannot be a situation where he comes in and he has to perform immediately, considering the dysfunction, the level of dysfunction at Chelsea Football Club. Just pure chaos. He needs to be allowed time to steady the ship to get rid of players who are probably used to getting their way, considering that they usually outlast the manager. Player power has been a question mark over Chelsea since they even won the Champions League the first time, that first Champions League back in 2012. So if that is the culture that they're trying to reverse, you need to give Potter time. Whether Graham Potter himself has the personality, the stature... Setting aside tactical knowledge, setting aside football knowledge, setting aside how to set out a team to play, does he have the stature, the ego, the the personality, the charisma of someone like an Antonio Conte, a Jose Mourinho, a Pep Guardiola, a Jurgen Klopp, a Carlo Ancelotti? Does he have that kind of personality? Can he grow into that kind of person? That remains to be seen. But I do think you have to give him time. You have to give him time. Outside of that, the big transfer news so far is that Chelsea have signed João Félix from Atletico Madrid. The young Portuguese prodigy uh, atleti spent a metric fuckton on this guy when he was about 19 years old from Benfica. He hasn't set the world alight. However, we can look at Diego Simeone's team, how he sets out his team. That's not the kind of system where a number 10, second striker, false nine kind of player will thrive. It's just not that kind of environment. For Diego Simeone, you need a pure nine who's hard as fucking nails. You need a a Luis Suarez, you need a Diego Costa type of player who they can handle the physical side of the game, Jao felix at 18 19 20 he's not going to be doing what you would expect of a full-grown prime diego costa it's just a different profile of player he's going to play pretty much every week for chelsea because obama yang is he's done he's done at the top level uh whether that's a mental thing who knows but oba uh, no 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 so Jal Felix and he's not a pure nine. He's not he's not going to be the deadly finisher that Chelsea have been wanting who they thought they were going to get in Lukaku. Lukaku didn't fuck with Tommy Tuchel like that. It didn't work out. I ew, man. And just taking a step back here, Chelsea won the Champions League in 2021. They signed Romelu Lukaku for 100 million or whatever. It was a very very large price. Lukaku was doing, he was tearing Syria to shreds with their partnership with Lataro Martinez as a very, very good inter side. And at that moment, you're probably looking at that team and like, okay, they're complete. They're done. This is it. Lo and behold, Chelsea being the chaos magnet that it is and all before the entire Ukraine-Russia situation played out and Abramovich had to get the fuck out of town... Lukaku and Tommy T weren't seeing eye to eye. Lukaku was missing sitters. He was he was turning into a flop very quickly. He did an interview in like December when he was saying that, okay, nah, I need to get out of here. I want to go back to Inter. And from that moment onwards, Chelsea have been just a mess, basically, pretty much. I'm enjoying seeing it. <laughs> that's just how that's just how fandom goes. I'm enjoying seeing it. And uh, as someone who has watched Chelsea go through these ridiculous dips here and there throughout, throughout their time since Abramovich took over, you need to enjoy while they're down, laugh at them, kick them while they're down because they will be back up sooner rather than later. We saw, it, I mean, the perfect example. They win the league in 2015. In 2015-16, <laughs> they come 10th. 10th jose marino gets a sack the very next season they bring antonio conte lo and behold they win the league again so odds on they probably finish top four next season this season what's the best thing that can happen for them joe felix realizes his potential somehow some way and they go on an absolute terror they make top four is that going to happen i don't think so and now on to what's happening over in manchester so i did begin this by speaking about how manchester city absolutely embarrassed chelsea in the fa cup they didn't play very well in the league game where they won 1-0 at the bridge that was a uh, it was a pretty shitty game overall the level of intensity was quite poor however city saw it through they washed them in the FA Cup and now just a a couple hours ago at this point as I'm recording this they have gone out of Pep Guardiola's favorite competition no not the Premier League no not the Champions League the Carabao Cup to bottom of the table Southampton they lost 2-0 a couple stats so I I didn't watch this whole game I caught the last couple of minutes because When Liverpool aren't in competitions, I kind of forget they exist, specifically the League Cup. But when I caught the game, I saw, number one, a City foul throw. Ridiculous. And the commentator said that that they had two foul throws in the same game. Manchester City, top three team in the world for the past five years. Foul throws, two foul throws. Wow. Wow. Uh, Pepper's going to choke slam a motherfucker through a table <laughs> the second they get to man get back to Manchester because wow, and the second thing was that they had zero shots on target. This is at Saint Mary's against Southampton, who I I picked them to be a relegation candidate, a dead on relegation team. They've been woeful for a number of years. They got rid of Ralph Hutel, the bottom of the table. Man City had zero shots on target. And as I caught the game, I probably caught it from the 75th, 75th minute onwards. They had all the heavy hitters. They had De Bruyne, Gundogan, Foden, Haaland, Julian Alvarez, all on the team. All on the field. The second I, I, turned, I turned, I caught the game. Ridiculous what's going on with City and this is something that is absolutely affecting Liverpool and everyone can note it we can all see it happening the team the legs are gone for a lot of the squad the majority of the squad probably needed a refreshing City are running through the exact same problem and it sucks from a Liverpool's perspective because for us to win the league, we needed City to be off, and it looks like this could be one of their off years, where De Bruyne doesn't look as though he has as much energy as he used to. Bernardo Silva is another one who, he's about five six percent off of his top level, and when the entire team is just a few percentage points off of their top level, you can see it, especially especially when you're trying to win league titles over a season and this is something where we're going to see because they have an extremely tough set of fixtures coming up the next six seven games are are really really tough they play Spurs twice they play Arsenal I believe they play United this weekend massive massive game we're going to see if they if they if this is going to be an off year for them or if they can squeeze it out once again because in the history of the top flight league in England no team has ever won the league f- more than 3 times in a row it's happened 3 times united did it twice under Fergie liverpool the great 80s team did it city are going to try and do that this year can they though that's going to be it's going to be quite interesting guys like gundogan guys like de bruyne guys like bernardo silva Mares, guys like Stones guys like Edison Rodri even can they can they push themselves once more or will they only have one competition in them because that blow against Real Madrid in the Champions League semi-final where it looked for all the world that they were going to go through to another final their second final in the row and it, it got pulled away from them so quickly A lot of the team didn't have great World Cups in terms of their team, except for Julian Alvarez. So that's going to be one to keep an eye on. Keep an eye on them in this period of time. As a Liverpool supporter, going through, having seen them go through tough times where they're just rolling 1-0 win, 1-0 win, 2-0 win, they embarrass United, then boom, 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 boom. They just pick up points like nothing. I'm kind of conditioned. the point where i don't see them falling off that's why i keep saying that i still think city will win the league but every team thus far in the world has been made of human beings and human beings they can wane a little bit and if they're off three four five percent maybe an arsenal can do it or maybe just maybe and I've seen this opinion a little bit. The, the murmurings are starting to come through from some of the YouTubers, the football YouTubers, football podcasts. Can Manchester United challenge for the league? This is Eric Ten Hogg's first season. I think it's quite fair to say that every single obstacle that he's come into thus far, he's handled phenomenally well. Great, just great management, all in all. From what's been on the pitch, they play much better football. I've spoken about them and working through, really figuring out that midfield. Christian erickson has been great for them. Casimiro, of course, world class player, he won five Champions Leagues, I believe, with Real Madrid. So seeing this team. As well as Marcus Rashford, he need, he deserves a special mention because he's basically in the form of his life after having two terrible years, two terrible, terrible years. He's in the form of his life. He's scoring goals again, winning United points. Can they sustain this? Because they've gotten hot basically since the Brentford humbling, since they got their pants pulled down by Brentford. Uh, I believe that was the second game of the season. They've been fantastic. They're the only team that's beaten Arsenal in the league so far. And they're playing very, very well. They are defending well as well. They're not conceding a lot. The only question mark about them is that number nine position. Tenghag handled Cristiano Ronaldo exquisitely well. He came out looking like a calm manager who's in control cristiano looked like a petulant 19 year old when he's 37 he fucked off to saudi arabia he's gonna go get his b- 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 bag and ten hag has a team that's all pulling in the same direction he has bruno Fernandes not playing at that 2021 20, level because he was he was looking like a phenomenal player at a certain point but he's got him playing well again he was pretty shit last season can they sustain it but the real question mark for them is the number nine position because Rashford has been scoring the goals he's been the main guy in this run that they're on They don't have a reliable number nine because Martial, he's been there way too long for us to be like, okay, yeah, he's going to finally get his shit together and be consistent for united. I don't think that's even an option right now. That's kind of why they're bringing in Wout Weghorst from Besiktas. He's a Burnley player, but he's been on loan for Besiktas and it's a question it's a it's a strange one you look at it and like okay i can see where they're going with this they need a plan b a guy a target man who can handle business in the air hold the ball up we saw him do extraordinary things like is is you came very close to ending messi's fairy tale run uh, argentina's fairy tale run with that comeback in the quarterfinals for netherlands however is he the kind of player, it could be one of those master strokes where, okay, this is a bit of genius. You bring this guy in, he scores eight goals. He gets them the points, which will be the difference between fifth and fourth. But is he going to be the guy to to really propel them, keep this run going, and a potential Man United title challenge? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I don't see them continuing this run. I didn't see Marcus Rashford continuing to score at the rate He's been scoring in recent weeks, uh, United. And this is what I did say about them a couple of weeks ago, where since they are going through a transition, a culture change, they're going to have periods where they're doing very well, and they're going to have periods where it should get tough. Right now, they've been going through a fantastic period. They're into the semi-finals of the League Cup. That's that's a great opportunity, considering that City just lost. They are in there with non-top six teams. They have a great opportunity to go win their first piece of silverware since 2017, and so. United, things are moving in a positive direction for them. I absolutely hate to see it. I can't, cannot stand it. But hats off, to Eric, Eric Ten Hag. You're doing bold men across the world. Very proud. And as a bold guy, I respect what you're doing. I'm not happy. I, I don't like any of it. But I, I 100% respect what you're doing. And it's going to be a massive game on the weekend. They have City, Manchester Derby second of the year, City absolutely tore them to shreds at Old Trafford, 6-3, we're going to need to see what happens because if United win that game, they're one point behind City and if City are the standard bearers, you kind of need to start to ask the questions, are United in the title race? It's going to be a very, very big fixture coming up. Very, very big game. It's always a big game. But with United rolling, City looking a little bit more vulnerable than they have in previous seasons. It's going to be very, very interesting. I say that, but who knows what will happen. City might just wash them 4-0 and it's back to business as usual. And now looking at the other massive derby top six clash coming up this weekend it's arsenal versus spurs arsenal spoken quite a lot about them Arteta's is doing a great job they have a massive fa cup fixture coming up against man city they go to the etihad that's going to be a very very big game I, i'm so oh man i'm really really looking forward to their games against city uh and those are coming up in, an, in the next few weeks arsenal rolling and i have a special shout out for eddie and he is my player of the week i'm going to start yes i'm going to start having players of the week but the marlo stanfield look-alike the price of the brick is going up he has been doing the job so i questioned him i said okay i don't think he has what it takes to step into Gabriel Jesus' position and handle business. He's been handling business. Arsenal have been picking up the points they need to pick up. They did drop points recently in their most most recent Premier League fixture. However, they are doing great. Spurs on the other side of the North London derby coming up this weekend. I don't know what the fuck's going on with Spurs. Spurs are the strangest team in the league. They're almost a little Chelsea-like. Almost a little Chelsea-like where they looked terrible against Aston Villa. Then they come along and win the next game 4-0. So it's just question marks. Like, What is going on here? I have no idea. Is Conte moving in the right direction? He got them top four. He has them in the Champions League in the round of 16. But they look terrible half the time. They look... I, I just have no idea. And if the, if he gets son playing well Sonny. who knows what can happen i think they could make a proper top four bid and so newcastle are going to need to watch out can newcastle sustain what they need to sustain we will see i'm not going to touch too much on them right now today but that's going to be a massive game and conventional wisdom will tell you that arsenal should win this game however if you've been watching football for a long time You know that Derby games are always a toss-up. Always, always, always a toss-up. You can never really predict them. I would highly advise any of you bets, bettors out there, please do not bet on this game because Spurs could randomly beat them 2-0. Randomly. And Harry Kane always scores against Arsenal. So we're going to have to see what happens. We're going to have to see what happens that game. I'm very much looking forward to that one. Very much looking forward to the Manchester Derby The narratives, this is, we're getting into, slowly but surely, we're starting to get into the second half of the season, the business end. That's when the stakes get much higher. It's going to be quite interesting. However, the one game that I'm not looking forward to is Liverpool up against Brighton. And I think it's pretty clear to say. Last podcast that I spoke about English teams, I did say that... I kind of expect Liverpool to lose that game. We had the fixture most recently. Our most recent fixture was this past weekend up against Wolves. At home, number one, at home. Number two, we played our strongest available 11. So we started Cody Gakpo. We had Nunes, Salah up top. We had Fabinho Thiago Henderson in the midfield. And then we had our strongest available back four. Konate Matip. Van Dijk is out for a little while. Robertson trends. Allison at the back. And we started the game. Well, this is a Wolves team who are languishing at the bottom of the table. They didn't even play their strongest 11. And we, oh my goodness, we started the game very brightly. Allison has an absolute nightmare. Just a, a terrible piece of play from him playing out of the back. He passes it right to a Wolves player boom we're down 1-0 what do we do every single game we start every single game down 1-0 and having started the game confidently we we played with a little bit of intensity the first 10-15 minutes we completely fuck up stupid gaffe from Allison and you can just see the team is rattled rattled and started playing poorly and just going to going through the team Henderson just had oh my goodness, oh jordan henderson he he's he hasn't been able to discover that form and consistency of last season that he had. He is getting older, so usually with players over the age of thirty two thirty three if they if their form is starting to dip. The, the age question marks start to come out, and Henderson—he's been having question marks about him his his entire career. Pretty sure I had a back and forth with a very good United supporting friend of mine, uh, not two weeks ago about Henderson, and this guy—he's—he's he's proven doubters wrong, time and time again. Will he prove us wrong now? can he rediscover his form can he rediscover his legs because that's the big one can he rediscover his legs i don't know that's going to be a tough one um outside of him tiago who is easily our best midfielder easily our best midfielder but he is not he's not immune from critique he's not immune from critique and I've spoken a bit about his sloppy passing from time to time. I understand that he does play the riskier passes, but his physical traits—they—they're they, an Achilles heel. And when the entire midfield is lacking in legs, basically, you know, quick, easy way to to summarize it: if your entire midfield doesn't have the legs to play. In the same way that we have played for the past couple of years successfully to win every single club competition, it shows when you're playing a sloppy pass and then you can't get back. Yes, he has been our best midfielder, but that that's not saying much that's not saying much and I've come to the realization that my the more objective more neutral supporters out there who've been like, hey, Thiago's Thiago's not He he doesn't deserve the praise that we Liverpool fans give him. I think that's kind of true now. I I do kind of think that's true. So midfield is still the epicenter of all our issues. And I think there's a very easy way to tell. The easiest way to tell this is that if your defense is trash. Your final third, in the final third, you're, you're garbage. Like, you know, okay, we can't defend set pieces. We can't do one, two, three, four, five. A lot of things just don't go our way in the final third. If your attack is garbage, you know you're not going to score goals. You're missing chances, so on and so forth. If you, your midfield is trash, you're terrible all over the field. You're You're disjointed. The entire team looks like... It's not functioning correctly and that's what Liverpool look like. When your midfield is missing, the entire team looks weird every single third of the of the pitch. On the one bright spot that I can say uh, with this game here that we are actually very lucky to still be in the FA Cup is that Darwin Nunes scored a peach of a goal, Trent Alexander-Arnold World-class delivery. I've said it time and time again. He has one of the best deliveries on the planet. And Darwin Nunes with the first-time finish. Gorgeous goal. Got his first goal since before the World Cup. So hopefully the, the Andy Carroll chance will stop at least for two weeks. Hopefully. But hopefully he scores against Brighton on the weekend. And we don't have to worry about that. Um, Cody Gakpo. He did start quite well. You could tell he wasn't in sync with the rest of his teammates. That's understandable for two reasons. Number one, he just got here. And number two, the rest of the team doesn't look like they're in sync with their teammates. So how can we expect him to look like the perfect cog in the machine? It doesn't make sense, but we'll give him time. Of course, quite excited to see what he does do for us in the future. And where does that leave us right now? It leaves us in a point in a position where next week, I believe midweek, we're going to have to go to Wolves to Molyneux to try and advance in the FA Cup. I think the FA Cup is probably our best bet to try and win a trophy this season. I mean, I, I can't even say probably it is our best bet because I do think Madrid are gonna dump us out of the Champions League. That's just unfortunately the nature of the world. Um And we have to play Brighton this weekend. I'm not looking forward to that game. However, one of the weird things and something that we did not have at all last season was we have a full seven days, a full week before our next game. Hopefully Klopp can get Gakpo more more adjusted get him into the rhythm of the team hopefully having a, a more natural left inside forward slash left winger is going to help with our play down the left i don't think our build up play in the second and final third are is very good down the left with ox playing left winger uh, i'm not haven't been a big fan of ox for at least three years now um and a lot of midfielders are fit, which is a positive. Molnar, mm, he's no, we can forget about him. Keita is still fit, so hopefully he can come in and at least be a body in there. I don't expect him to to set the world alight. I I, I had to give up on those dreams coming from twenty twenty two into twenty twenty three that Nabi Keita would somehow magically show that that form and potential that we saw at Leipzig. But, yeah, I'm I'm not looking forward to this Brighton game. However, we'll see what happens. Or, or ever the optimist, always needs to stay positive. Always need to believe in Jurgen Klopp and his ways. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So that is the lay of the land, over in England. A lot of interesting narratives that that Jao Felix transferred to Chelsea. It's a very expensive loan fee. It's going to be super interesting to see how he does in the Premier League. The two massive, massive games, United versus City. United potentially on the rise. I hate to see it. Spurs maybe to play party spoiler against Arsenal. And hopefully Liverpool can get back to bullying teams, playing with intensity once again and get a, a, a much needed three points against Brighton. We'll see what happens. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, I leave you. I hope you have a magnificent day wherever you are in the world. When this podcast finds your ears and you take care.